Welcome to the Women of TBC podcast. You'll hear content from women's Bible studies and other women's events. For more information, visit templebiblechurch.org. To introduce our speaker for this morning, um, this is a hard task to take on doing one lesson for 30 minutes in the whole book of Isaiah. And there was no one better to take it on than Jenny Olson. Um, I'm going to let Jenny introduce herself to you. She has some pictures to share. So Jenny, would you come up on, this, on the stage with me and let's pray for Jenny. And, yes, yeah, you can cheer her on. <laughs> All right, let's, let's join in prayer. Father God, you are holy, holy, holy forever. Our hearts um, are just joined together in praise and adoration, honor to your name this morning. Thank you. Thank you for revealing yourself to us through the prophet Isaiah this week. Thank you for revealing yourself to Jenny and for giving her the courage to stand before us and share from her heart what you have placed on it. So God, would you help us to have eyes to see and ears to hear and hearts to understand what you have for us um, this morning from this great book. We love you and uh, we just pray for our friend and our sister and, and give her wisdom. And we, we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, hello. I am so thankful to get to be with you this morning. My name is Jenny Olson, and I'd like to introduce you to my family. We are missionaries here with Temple Bible Church, and it's been our joy and privilege to serve for over 20 years. So this was us in May of 2000. This is my husband, George, and our kids, Isaac, Sarah, and Abby. This is when we began to step out in faith, and we planned on starting our training with New Tribes Mission. It's now called Ethnos 360, but we were in training for four and a half years before we went overseas. We studied things like medical work, literacy, Bible translation, and cross-cultural church planting. This is how many of you may recognize this. This was our prayer card. Um, this was in May 2006, just before we went to the Philippines as tribal church planters. And then had to show you a jungle picture. This was us in May of 2010. We moved to the Philippines, and we lived on an island called Palawan, and we worked with an indigenous people group there as tribal church planters. We were in the Philippines for a total of 12 years, and um, all of our kids graduated from high school there and came back to the U.S. for college. This is us back in the U.S. after Abby graduated in 2018. And now we're based in Texas. We do security analysis and security training for missions groups and NGOs around the world. So, my favorite slide. This is Isaac and his wonderful wife, Bethany, and our four amazing grandchildren, Valina, Washington, Evelyn, and Mary Ann. Um, they just bring so much joy to our, to our lives. And now I know that they always say being a grandparent is going to be great, but y'all, it's beyond amazing. <laughs> it's so great. So... Hang in there if you have kids. Someday, if you have grandkids, it'll all be worth it. 
So we're so thankful to be here, to be a part of TBC and all that God is doing here. Um, being overseas, I haven't always been able to be in an amazing Bible study like this, and I just am so thankful to be a part of this. So, the book of Isaiah. I love this book. There's so much to unpack and learn about this book. It's quoted often in the New Testament, both by Jesus and the other New Testament authors. In Isaiah, we become more familiar with the attributes of God, and we see what the promised Messiah is going to look like. The same message of sin, judgment, and hope that was given to the people of Israel and the people of Judah has been shared with us. Now, as a former English teacher, I always think everyone should be reading, but they should also have a to-be-read list. So y'all, please, please, please put Isaiah on your to-be-read list. There's so much there, and Nancy Guthrie did such a great job, I think, to help give us a framework to be able to go through it and to prayerfully be able to see all the amazing, wonderful encouragement that we get from the book of Isaiah. So today we're just going to zoom in on chapter 6 when Isaiah encounters Jesus. Now, we're going to look at the question, how do you see Jesus? Let's consider how different people might see him. Is he a cute cartoon Sunday school Jesus? Is he a tragic hero killed on the cross? Is he angry and wrathful, turning over tables in the temple? Or is he a kindly gatekeeper who can be bargained with to gain access into heaven? This is a very important question because how we see Jesus affects how we think, how we behave, and how we live with others. Today I'm going to share with you some of Isaiah's story and a bit of my story as well. So let's look at Isaiah 6. Most of you have probably had a chance to look at this, but we're going to kind of zoom in today. Isaiah 6, 1-4 says, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. That's so amazing, you guys. So he's so big and amazing and awesome that just the end of his kingly robe fills up the whole temple. This is his mighty throne, his seat of righteousness, his seat of holiness. Um, his holiness is in, on display, and his utter perfection is there for Isaiah to witness. Above him stood the seraphim, and one called to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. Now, in the Bible, when there's repetition, it builds. And it, it doesn't mean he was just holy, or kind of holy, or even really holy. He was the utmost holy. Holy, holy, holy. And the angels are just worshiping him and declaring his goodness. And the foundations of the threshold shook at the voice of him who called, and the house was filled with smoke. Can you imagine the drama of seeing what Isaiah saw? He has this amazing experience. He sees Jesus on the holy throne and angels all around worshiping him. Instead of sending an angel or a voice or another person to talk to Isaiah, Isaiah sees the Lord in all of his glory. It's staggering. It's earth-shattering and truly awesome. 
Now, as I was growing up, I probably saw Jesus as that cute cartoon Sunday school Jesus. Um, I didn't grow up in a Christian home, and we didn't often go to church. My parents divorced when I was two, and this created never-ending conflict in my life. As a kid, I grew up trying to do the right thing. I was good at school and sports. I tried to follow the rules, but it wasn't for the right reasons. I wanted to avoid conflict at home. I wanted to get acknowledgement and praise from teachers and peers. I saw myself as less than, so I wanted to be the best in order to prove my worth. I wanted to be better than others around me in order to avoid ridicule, loneliness, and to somehow be seen as more than. I didn't know that I would be totally unable to achieve this. The world says, be all you can be, just do it. If you try hard enough, you can be anything you want to be. And you can do anything that you set your mind to. This led to total frustration and exhaustion in my life. I really needed to see Jesus. Once Isaiah sees Jesus, a remarkable thing happens. Isaiah 6.5 tells us, Isaiah says, Woe is me, for I am lost. I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. He doesn't see Jesus and rejoice. He sees and encounters the mightiness of this kingly Savior, and he's terrified. He sees his own sinfulness in the presence of God's holiness, and he is completely undone. Jesus is not a cute, cuddly cartoon. He's not a tragic hero, an angry, wrathful man, or a kindly gatekeeper. He's the holy, righteous ruler of the universe. He's our divine king, our suffering servant, and the coming conqueror. Isaiah quickly understands who he is. The splendor and holiness of Jesus puts his own sin into perspective. No matter how cleaned up we try to be, we are utterly wretched and without hope before God's righteous judgment. This was me. By the time I got to high school, I was worn out from trying to do good and be good. From the outside, I looked successful, but inside, I was broken, lost, and just exhausted. I got good grades. I had all of the extracurricular accolades. I was the team captain of the state championship soccer team two years in a row. Um, I had a job. I volunteered with Special Olympics. I had responsibilities at home. All of that made me proud. I thought, look how much better I am than those other people. Yeah, I was exactly like Paul describes in Romans 7. I do the things that I don't want to do, and I don't do the things that I should. I was constantly angling to be seen doing good things. I saw my worth and what I was accomplishing, and I felt deep sadness, anger, and loneliness when I fell short, which was often. There was always someone better than I was in some area. I couldn't be the perfect student. People didn't acknowledge all the good things I did. And I failed at being a good friend because I was too busy to slow down and to just listen. I was at the total end of myself. I questioned the purpose of life. Is this all there really is? Work hard, die? 
why am I here? Would it matter if I wasn't? I'd gotten to the place of believing that I was unimportant and no matter what I did to prove myself, there was nothing I could ever do to be worthy. I wanted to die. But you know what? God is really, really good. In Isaiah 6, 6 and 7, we see Jesus respond to Isaiah's brokenness in his recognition of his sinfulness. Then one of the seraphim, seraphim flew to me, having his hand a burning coal that he had taken with tongs from the altar. And he touched my mouth and said, Behold, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned for. Jesus cleansed Isaiah from his sin. Just like that purifying coal, Jesus died an atoning death for our sins. We saw this as a part of God's promise in Romans and throughout all of scripture, God promises to send a savior to help us when we can't help ourselves. Jesus, the divine king, forsook all his glory and he became fully human. His life, death, and resurrection made possible our reconciliation with God. So, um, in Isaiah 53, we looked at that a bit in our study this week. This idea of the suffering servant who could do the things that I can't do for myself really, really touched me. And um, Isaiah told the people, he told them what Jesus would be like, what this coming Messiah was going to um, do for them. And Isaiah tells them, Jesus would be despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows acquainted with grief. He was not esteemed, he was smitten by God, afflicted, pierced for our transgressions, crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was chastisement that brought us peace. And it really happened. The things that Isaiah um, spoke about, those truths that were gonna happen, really came together in the incarnation. This gives us confidence that God has always and will always keep his promises. Isaiah goes on to say, All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Although he had done no violence and there was no deceit in him, yet it was the will of the Lord to crush him. And when his soul makes an offering of guilt, he will make many to be accounted righteous. That's us, y'all. He poured out his soul to death and was numbered with the transgressions, transgressors. He bore the sin of many and makes intercession for the transgressors. Us. This is so fantastic, you guys. This is good news. God describes how he planned to redeem us. Our guilt and sin was paid for with the death of sinless, perfect Jesus, the acceptable sacrifice. And we, all we need to do to be righteous is to believe what God says is true. My junior year of high school, I was the vice president of Fellowship of Christian Athletes, which is kind of ironic since I wasn't a Christian. But I got to go to the state convention and I got to hear Tom Landry, the coach of the Dallas Cowboys, speak. And he described me in his talk. Gone astray, doing things my own way, full of sinful thoughts and feelings and behaviors, Tired of trying to be good and sick of my own sinfulness. 
He described how only the blood of a flawless lamb could atone for my sin. And I knew that this was the answer that I was searching for. It wasn't about me and what I could do. It was about who Jesus is. Perfect, holy, faithful, compassionate, sovereign of all. I was utterly gobsmacked and amazed. When I saw Jesus for who he truly was, it changed me forever. It changed Isaiah also. In Isaiah 6, 8, it says, And I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? Who will go for us? Then I said, Here I am. Send me. Isn't that interesting? God doesn't tell Isaiah to go to a specific place like Jonah or to do a specific thing like Hosea. He just asks a question. Who will go for us? When Isaiah clearly sees Jesus in all of his glory and sees how he's been cleansed and set right, he's compelled to go tell others. He must go speak the truth about who Jesus is. He wants others to help he wants to help others see Jesus clearly. He went and he spoke these truths to the uh, nations of Israel and Judah and who Jesus was and the plans of things to come. Now, when I became a believer, my thoughts, motivations, and behaviors slowly started to change. I joined a local youth group because I thought, I've got to learn more about this. I bought myself a study Bible because I knew I needed to know him better. As a new creation, I began to rest in the truths about who God is and to see better ways that I could act and react. Over time, I grew to understand that the things that I heard at church, sang about in worship, and studied in the Bible were not separate and only for Sunday mornings. These truths were to be a part of who I am. I learned it's not about the doing, it's about the being. Without him, my life would be a train wreck. Because I felt this joy in my heart, and I, I knew that I was no longer lost, purposeless, and forsaken, I wanted everyone around me to know more about these things too. So besides serving overseas as a missionary, I tried to start working in ways that I could share my, my joy about who God is with other people. When I was in college, I ministered with a group who went out to the homeless, went on some short-term mission trips, taught children's Sunday school. As a military spouse and stay-at-home mom, I helped with MOPS and Awana, the care team at church, and just explained to people around me that Jesus had changed my heart and my life. These weren't things to check off a checklist. These were things that moved me to act when I truly understood God's grace and love for me. After serving overseas as a full-time missionary, now I'm back in Central Texas, and I'm still trying to tell those around me this truth about who Jesus is, how much he loves me, and how much he loves other people. But no matter what, Y'all, I need to remember my encounter with Jesus. So Nancy Guthrie has these amazing tables. So I thought I'd try my hand at it. So on your handout, there's one of these great tables. And this table sums up Isaiah's encounter with Jesus and that how, how that corresponds with our interactions with him in our lives. 
So just as God revealed Christ to Isaiah, God uses his word and other people to show us his plan. When we see Jesus for who he truly is, we are changed. His holiness is earth-shaking, and it should rock our world. And when we see our total sinfulness and helplessness, we cry out to him. And just like Isaiah, Jesus' atoning blood purifies us. We are made part of his family, and we can approach him both in worship and the Holy Spirit dwells in us. And just as Isaiah was compelled to share this good news, we are compelled to worship him and to share this good news of his redeeming love to all who are around us, both near and far. We tell others the truth about who Jesus really is. Now, y'all, our circumstances might be difficult. We can worship Jesus and share his truth to others, even in the midst of those difficult circumstances. Last year, my mom was diagnosed with dementia, and this is a really hard season for me. Every day is a struggle emotionally, mentally, and spiritually. Some days are really good days, but other days are really hard, and I don't know what to say, and I don't know what to do, but I can continue to just share the truth of who Jesus is and what he's done for me, and Remember that my good, faithful God is with me. And that makes all the difference. This prayer by Tim Keller really speaks to my heart. Lord, I worry because I forget your wisdom. I resent because I forget your mercy. I covet because I forget your beauty. I sin because I forget your holiness. I fear because I forget your sovereignty. You always remember me. Help me to remember you. I don't always assume the best about others. I can let myself become discontented with what I have. I know that when I'm overcome with worry, when fear overwhelms me, when I'm angry and lacking in grace of forgiveness to others, I need to remember who he is. One way that I like to remind myself of our awesome God and what I've seen is to pray through scripture. And um, praying through Isaiah 12 has been really helpful for me. It's printed out on the back of your handout. Um, Praying through scripture helps me to understand who God is, who I am, and then how I should live because of that. Isaiah 12 is really neat, y'all, because it mirrors Isaiah's experience in chapter 6. In verses 1 and 2, we see that Jesus is our salvation, that we can worship and praise I will give thanks to you, O Lord, for though you were angry with me, your anger turned away that you might comfort me. Behold, God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid. For the Lord God is my strength and my song. He has become my salvation. Because he has made me new, I'm not a slave to sin, but a slave to righteousness. By his perfect plan, the suffering servant king died Atonement by blood was made, and God's wrath was satisfied. And then in verse 3, we see that no matter what our circumstances are, we can have joyful satisfaction in him. Verse 3 says, With joy you will draw water from wells of salvation. My mind is at peace with a deep satisfaction, and I have ongoing refreshment from the living waters for eternity in Christ. 
Y'all, I mess up all the time. Life's not what I want it to be always. Each and every one of us have hurts, longings, griefs that wear us down. But as we continue to look at him, who he is and his holiness, we can trust him in hard times because he never changes. He is continuing to conform me more to the image of Jesus every day and I'm so thankful for that. Because of that love and joy that I feel, I have a purpose. Verses four through six remind me that I get to tell others how he has rocked my world and I get to worship him for his goodness and his mercy. Give thanks to the Lord, call upon his name, make known his deeds among the peoples, proclaim that his name is exalted. Sing praises to the Lord for he has done gloriously. Let this be made known in all the earth. Shout and sing for joy, O inhabitant of Zion. For great in your minds is the Holy One of Israel. I'm still a work in progress, but I can proclaim good news about Jesus to the hurting and lost around me. Just as he came and offered himself for our sin, we know that he will come again and set all things right. This compels me to tell others. I will worship him totally immersed in the goodness of God. Our amazing holy God has shown us who he is, his faithfulness, his compassion, his love. Have you seen him? Truly seen him in his full glory? How his blood paid the price for our sins? Has that rocked your world? If you haven't, come talk to me afterward or ask someone else how you can see God for who he truly is. But if you have seen him, does he still rock your world? Are you compelled, busting at the seams, just like Isaiah, to go tell others who he is and how great he is? Do you worship him and rest at peace because of what he has done for you? We need to remember who he is, and we need to remind each other of these glorious truths. At some really low points in my life, God has sent sisters in Christ to remind me of his goodness. Just telling how much he loves me and who he is, how faithful he is. By sharing these words of good news, it renewed my strength and my faith. I'm so thankful for the words of Isaiah, telling truths about who Jesus is and who we are in this world. I would encourage you this week, reflect on how amazing God is. And everybody has a story. We all have different stories. But think about your story. And I encourage you, sometimes it's hard. There are personal things, there are hard things. But sharing that story honors God because it's not about us, it's about him. And as we share that with other people, he is glorified. So thank you for letting me come and share with you. Let's pray. Lord God, thank you so much for your amazing love. Thank you for showing us your plans and your glory. Thank you that we get to magnify you by declaring these wondrous truths to those around us. Help us to remember you. Help us to remind each other of your great compassion and love. May we sing your praises to those around us this week and always. In Jesus' name, amen. Yes, well done, Jenny. Thank you so much. Guys, I have some good news for you.
We're in Habakkuk.